Happy fall, everyone. This is Ricardo, and here's what you can listen to in the Popping Collars feed in September 2021 while sipping on your favorite pumpkin-flavored beverage. Popping Collars goes back to school this month with an episode devoted to the trials and tribulations of teenage life in pop culture. Everybody's favorite part conversation, part competition show is back this month as we create our favorite canon from the works of Whoopi Goldberg. Betsy and Greg talk about the movie Postcards from the Edge on this month's Going on 30. Join them for a hilarious and heartwarming conversation about Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Finally, special guest Stephen McHale breaks down the best tracks on the classic Beatles album, Revolver. Thanks for listening and keep those collars popped. Steven, tell me that you've got everything you want and your bird can sing. Cause you know what? You don't get me. I'm complicated. I have layers like onions. How about that? You is like the, them apples. Is the onion flying? <laughs> Singing? <laughs> now I've got now I've got this image of like a turkey like being basted and like roasted with like Gosh, you had me at first. I was thinking I have everything I want. I have a wife who I love like crazy. I have children who I love like crazy and drive me crazy. I like my job and I have a home. And so I've got And your everything. bird can sing. And now I'm thinking there's an onion being thrown. My son is throwing an onion at a bird. In the- <laughs> we'll leave the bird out of this. Let's just get to the sacred six. Welcome to the sacred six. Sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode. And that's where this show steps in. I'm your host, Greg Knight. With me is my special guest, Stephen McHale. Thanks for coming back, Stephen. Hey, I'm glad to be here. I didn't have to commute very far to come back. Nice. Well, we try to make it easy for our guests here. So, you know, thanks for staying in my garage this whole time. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. This month, we're looking at the greatest Beatles album in the history of the universe. Bullshit. (laughs) Revolver. (laughs) Uh, Steven, big idea about Revolver. This is what I wrote down. Post-touring Beatles equals more complicated Beatles. Like, you know, I, I feel like the ability that the freedom that they gave themselves by not having to go on tour really opened up their minds to what is good about music. Big idea for me. I'm going to say uh, growing tension between John and Paul mm. in their uh, style. Mm-hmm. And damn, it works really well in this album that yeah. it, that it could still contain both of them. It should be said that when we finally get to mid-phase Beatles, not that, hmm, how to say this delicately, not that the Beatles weren't experimenting with some kinds of drugs or, um, I, see, I don't want to incriminate the Beatles here. <laughs> yeah, not, that they were, not that they weren't probably doing, you know, something early on in their career, but certainly by this time, you know, they talk about openly sort of parties that they've had that they were having with like Bob Dylan and um, other people that they were meeting in the business who were using things like LSD marijuana frequently. 
Um, and I think that you can see how those things are starting to influence their music, but maybe also like how just being exposed to other musicians is starting to influence their music. So mm -hmm. just being in contact with Dylan, being in contact with the Beach Boys, all of that stuff is affecting how it is they think about writing songs. And now she loves you and I want to hold your hand isn't good enough, right? You need something a little meatier, a little more complex. So uh, give me a song. Give me an example of what you're talking about. I mean, uh, who who can write something like, I mean, let's go an easy one. I mean, who can write something like Eleanor Rigby, which comes across as like a an Edgar Allan Poe poem and set to music. I mean, it's just a strange way to go that you wouldn't necessarily think would make a hit song. And yet there are a lot of people that say Eleanor Rigby is their favorite Beatles song. I was thinking Love to You comes off clearly on a... John is not in his right state of mind mm -hmm. when he writes that. It's interesting, like the back and forth they have between, like I'm looking at Paul's songs, uh -huh. like my favorite song. I'll go ahead and just say my best song on the album, which is For No One. She wakes up, she makes up, she takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry. She no longer needs you. And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years It's pr probably my favorite Beatles song for two reasons. One, I went through a pretty bad breakup when I found this song. And I was like, oh my God, Paul gets it too. From 30 years ago, Paul <laughs> understands what it is that I'm feeling. <laughs> so I, I, I connected with it personally, but also it's just such a lovely melody. It's just such a lovely kind of tune, you know? So I just, I've just always, I've been a sucker for, for no one for a long time. All right. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to go with, so th this is where I'm stuck. I'm stuck between two songs, one by John and one by Paul. So um, Good Day Sunshine is so energetically happy. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, she Said, She Said is musically just uh, like enveloping. Yeah. Um, so I'm stuck between the two of them. And I think that's because, Greg, in my heart, I want to be, I want to be angst ridden like John. <laughs> because those are better sermons. She said, I know what it's like to be dead. I know what it is to be sad. And she's making me feel like I've never been born. He's revealing a lot of himself. Right. Paul doesn't go as deep, but boy, he sure is fun. And um, I think I'm, as as my wife will say, I stopped developing emotionally at about age 15. And <laughs> so that makes me Paul McCartney. Absolutely. So uh, Revolver is one of, speaking of weird John, not, not necessarily stunted Paul. We'll, we'll go weird John first. This is like the first album that features the weird John song at the end, which starts to become a staple of Beatles albums moving forward. 
Yeah. Like once we get to Sergeant Pepper, you get kind of the the great weird song of John's career, which is a day in the life. But Tomorrow Never Knows is up there as far as like weird John song to close the album. Here we go. Right. We'll get to the nadir of that at um, on the White Album. It should also be said, uh, we should put in a plug for our good friend Ringo, who was thrown a, a pop, like a children's song for this album in Yellow Submarine. Uh, but who knew that it would turn into like maybe the most lucrative Beatles property, which was the cartoon and like that whole series of yellow submarine stuff that comes out of like probably let's face it a silly tune that Paul wrote at about three o'clock in the morning uh, when he was just hungover and was like oh I forgot I got to give one to Ringo on the cell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was hungover. I think he was high. Yeah, that's possible. It's possible. Yellow Submarine, that's, yeah, that's certainly a place to go. So what are your thoughts on mid, mid-career mid Beatles? Where where do you, uh, how do you think of them around this time? Are you pro or con or just kind of sticking with them for right now? I'm so happy with them at this point, with very minor exceptions. And as I listen again to this music that I've listened to now for like 35 years, I still really enjoy this album and find it interesting. It's got, an, well, I, I think there's that tension there. It's got enough challenging John and enough um, happy melodic Paul that mm-hmm. I find it very satisfying. Mm-hmm. How about you, uh, Greg? Well, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I think maybe this is not my MVP of the album, but maybe what's starting to happen that I start to appreciate more and more at the mid phase of the Beatles career is that George is starting to find his voice as a songwriter. Taxman mm-hmm. isn't the greatest song in the world, but for a George song, Taxman is pretty great compared to where he was up to this point. Mm-hmm. So I think that like, you know, as George gets better, the band and the Beatles get better. But also as George gets better, you start to realize why they can never be a band <laughs> like pretty soon. Because he's so. good. Exactly, because they're all getting way too good to be in a band together. Yeah. Yep. Uh, who's your MVP for the album? All right, MVP for the album. I'm going to go with Paul on Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. Because, here's where I'm going to take it. I hadn't thought of this before. Uh, there's a great podcast by Malcolm Gladwell on country music. Nice. And the thing that he believes drives it is the specificity of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Eleanor Rigby is a great story that uh, engages you. Yeah, it's the details of that, right? So it's like wiping his hands as he walks from the ground. It's just so, it's just, you can feel it. Like you can just see it in your mind and you can feel it in your bones when you listen to that song. Absolutely. Here's where I feel it um, especially, and this is confessional and sharing a little too much. But when I uh, do the service on Christmas morning, Mm -hmm. Um, it is lonely people oh. who don't, uh, for the most part, who don't have families to go to. And and so while I should be singing Christmas carols in my head, Eleanor Rigby is playing in my head on Christmas morning for that small crowd who come out who don't have anyone to open presents with. And it wow. is heartbreaking. That's good. My MVP, I'm with you. I'm, on, I'm with Paul. But uh, my rationale was this. Uh, I think Paul is clearly the most talented member of the band. 
and I think was always the most talented member of the band. I thought you were a Ringo guy. <laughs> Ringo gave them the tempo that they needed early on to become superstars. And at that point, Ringo became a bit superfluous <laughs> to, to the band, I'm afraid. <laughs> but uh, but I just think that Paul Paul is always the most uh, the most talented. I think that what I appreciate about this phase and what I appreciate about this album is that John and George are pushing themselves to get like as good as Paul already is, and mm. it's just making everything better. I think so. You have to admit it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. It can't get much worse. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> oh, man. I love that song. Okay. Uh, any last thoughts on Revolver? On Revolver. Why is the album called Revolver? I don't know. Do you know that trivia? I've never, I, I don't. I've never learned. I will say this. It's the, it's the one Beatles cover that always catches my eye. If I'm mm-hmm. looking at Beatles covers, Revolver always stands out to me. And it's because... I, I just, I think that John Lennon's drawings are fantastic. They're just silly and strange and weird, um, but they just always catch my eye. And so uh, for guitar straps, I have a revolver cover guitar strap uh, that I uh, have with my guitar that I play. Because uh, I just love that image, the revolver cover. All right. Yeah, that's it. Holster that revolver. Put it away. Next up, we'll be moving on to the quintessential Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Steven, can you come back for our next episode? With the album in my hand, I'll be here. Okay, great. All right. Can't wait to see it on the podcast. It's going to be great. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye.